They finally get it to Mitchell. Ten on the shot clock. Had it back tapped. He lost it. The Nuggets come up with a defensive play. Murray. They missed the layup. Gobert got it. Mitchell hanging at the other end. Two seconds to go for the win. And it rims out. Denver hangs on. Good morning and welcome to the Daily Ding. Happy Wednesday morning, folks. We got you covered with all the playoff action from last night in the association. I'm Mo DeKeel and joined by my man, Wozni Lambre and Jade Hoy, making sure I don't break anything because they gave me the keys, Woz. They messed up. Uh, coming up on today's show, the Raptors find themselves in a hole. The Bulls are beginning to conduct some interviews looking for a new coach. But first, we got a Game 7 to talk about, Woz. Man, uh, it was a crazy. It was, <laughs> it was a crazy game in many ways. Not crazy in the good way. Crazy in the bad way. Like the the lack of. It, it was brutal. The lack of shot making, <laughs> Mo. Specifically in this series, which has just been incredibly high pace, high scoring, incredible skill work on on offense from both teams. Just a straight up rock fight, just brick after brick after brick. And I know if you're a Utah Jazz fan, this has to be deja vu, ground songs day. I don't know whatever <laughs> other metaphor you want to use, but like in another elimination game, another, you know, crucial playoff game, they just cannot make shots and it cost them tonight. They played good enough defense to win. Yeah. And so the Utah Jazz lose to the Denver Nuggets. 80 to 78. Like you said, was it was a rock fight. It was really a tale of two halves, too, because look, in the first half, the Jazz could only score 36 points. They're down 14. It looked like this thing was going to be a massive blowout. And then that third quarter, they woke up. Donovan Mitchell got going. He had 13 points. Gobert was playing really well in that second half, especially that third quarter, playing solid defense on Jokic. And then, I mean, that end of the game, we got to get into that. That end of the game was crazy. With 27 seconds left, Jokic scores after, you know, pump fake, doesn't get Gobert to buy, <laughs> Elbow spins to and the pump rim. fakes again. I like that one too. <laughs> you know, clear, you got to clear a little space, Was That chicken wing works sometimes. And then, and then, you know, he gets it up. So they're up two. The Jazz call a timeout. They inbound the ball and it was weird, Was because it looked like they were in trouble. It was Royce O'Neal got it. <laughs> the Nuggets trap him. The Jazz have to burn their last timeout. 17 seconds left. They inbound the ball to Mitchell. Mitchell gets going. He's going down downhill. Turns the rock over yep. wise. And then the Nuggets are running in transition. And I'm screaming at my TV like, yo, 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 dribble the clock right. out. Dribble the clock out. Nope. They couldn't resist you the urge for the fast break small. layup. Yes, youthful exuberance wise. Perfect way to put it. Mitchell ditches, uh, excuse me, Murray ditches it to Grant, who blows the layup. And with five seconds left, the Jazz have a chance. The ball finds Connolly at the three point line. Wise, I thought this ball was going in. I mean, it was halfway in. It it looked good. Connolly got a good look at it, although he was a bit off balance, leaning to his left side, I believe. Um, But it looked good in the air. And of course, it rims right out. And I think the story down the stretch, honestly, Mo, was that Denver had two guys offensively who could get him a bucket. And it kind of felt like 
the Utah Jazz didn't have that. They didn't have anything that they could be like, all right, no matter. And we're going to talk about this in the the next game that we talk about um, because that's a contrast to two teams right there. But, you know, the two possess- two buckets before Jokic scores that crazy whirling dervish, the one, the, 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 the two buckets before, of course, uh, Jamal Murray gets the ball, dribbles right down the court, passes to nobody, and just goes straight to the straight towards the rim and scores sort of a leaner, floater, runner type of shot, right? Tough shot. That's right. not a shot everybody can make. And, and that was just decisive. And you can tell right afterwards, he just looked completely spent. Then after that, he gets the ball on the pick and roll. He gets Rudy out to the three-point line and just basically dribbles past him for a layup. These are like this is it. This is in these situations. It's, it comes down to that. Like, can your guys get you something? And that's the thing, Waz. You said it best. The Nuggets had two guys who could score, and the Jazz just had yep. one. And when you look at it, too, Ingles shot three for ten from the field. Connolly was two for eleven. I, you had uh, Jordan Clarkson put in ten points, but it was like an ugly ten. You know, in, in one of those ways where you just don't feel like you're. You're getting much from him. It, it, it just nowhere else to go. You know, Gobert was great. He had 19 points, 18 rebounds. But again, it's not like this is a guy you can throw no. it to him on the block and expect him to create. He needs somebody to create all those points for him. And that just, I felt bad. And then Donovan Mitchell just ran out of gas after that amazing third yep. quarter, man. He, he fell apart, only had two points in the fourth quarter, that critical turnover down the stretch. That hurts wise, but. Let's look a little bit ahead for the Nuggets. They're facing the Clippers in two days, or by the time this comes out the next day. How, how do you feel that series is going to go? Do you feel like you know they got a shot, or is this going to be the Clippers chilling, nice and rested, ready to go? They don't have a shot. <laughs> they, 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 they do not have a chance to win this series. I think one of the saving graces is that the Clippers don't really – have like a slashing type of offense, right? Um, a lot of their work is done actually three-point range and in the mid-range. We know Kawhi Leonard is probably the best mid-range shooter in the NBA. Uh, Paul George, tremendous in the mid-range. Lou Will, another incredible mid-range player. Um, and they're not like they're not somebody who's gonna slash. And so Jokic inability to play out in space to be much of a rim protector even when he is down there I don't think that's gonna come back to to bite them too much but that being said it's just it's not gonna come down to that uh their wings are just too small for Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in particular and I don't know if you've been watching the Clippers but Kawhi Leonard has looked Absolutely unstoppable. He looks like T one thousand. It's just it, I feel I feel bad for them boys, Mo. It's gonna be a rough like, one. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a Gary rough Harris. one. And we love Gary Harris. You saw the the crazy defensive play that he made against Donovan Mitchell in the biggest on the biggest possession of the of the game for his team. But guess what, man? Kawhi Leonard is a completely different animal. He gonna be bouncing him right off. Get off of me, Gary. Uh, no, That's untenable. Too small. I mean, Gary <laughs> Harris is kind of too small in that instance. The one thing I'd like to see the Nuggets do in this series, and and. It's not even so much just because they're playing the the Clippers, but I want to see Coach Malone give uh, Michael Porter Jr. a little bit of a longer leash here. Mm. 
You know, like I thought he had a good first half in this he game did. and then got like two minutes in the third quarter and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like not much of a chance after that. I think they're going to need him because they're going to need that scoring. They're going to need to be able yeah. to stretch the floor a little bit and they're going to need that extra bounce because we both know they're not defending them. They're not no. stopping the Clippers at all. You know, and so Jamal and Jamal Murray, the Clippers are sort of built to guard a Jamal Murray because they can throw length after length after length at him, and he's not the quickest. He's not gonna out explode you near the basket. That's the type of guard that the Clippers chew up and spit out, man. Uh, ooh, it's, 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 a, it's a tough matchup. It's a tough matchup. It is gonna be tough, real quick. Wise, what? How many games is this going? Five, because I watched the Clippers enough to know they're not going to sweep them. They're going to do their typical Clippers, cool guy. The championship is already sewn up act. We've watched them up close all year, Mo. <laughs> and you know they're good for one of those, even in the second round of the playoffs, But which is understandable because Denver is not a threat to this team. I repeat, the Denver Nuggets are not a threat to the Los Angeles Clippers in the next round, but I could see them taking a game off or maybe taking a half off. They get caught sleeping for a half and can't overcome, you know, some large deficit because Denver is an explosive team and can get some threes going. But outside of that, if the Clippers are taking anything seriously, they're going to kick this team's butt. All right, let's talk to you about Manscaped. They provide you with the best tools for your grooming experience. Mo, did you know that this cordless trimmer is waterproof? Really? You can take it in the shower. Whoa. You can take it in the shower. Game changer. Stand over a, yeah, you don't have to stand over a wastebasket like an idiot. Like some of us unnamed podcast hosts may have done for weeks and weeks, Mo, before they realized this was a cordless waterproof trimmer. How dare you talk about Waz that way? <laughs> The Lawnmower 3.0, best hygiene tool for the modern man. It's got a ceramic blade. It's got skin-safe technology. Just like in the NBA playoffs, there will be no Knicks if you use this. Right? Is that, is that no good? No? We'll work on that. We'll work we're, on that. We're, we're taking shots. We've also got the Shears 2.0 nail kit. It's a four-piece nail kit. It's going to give you tempered stainless steel tools. It includes slash tip tweezers, rounded point scissors, finger fingernail clippers, and a medium grit nail file. You get yourself manicured because you can't go to these nail shops. Some guys get manicures. Some guys like to have their nails all cleaned up. You can't do that right now. It's COVID. You gotta stay safe, and the perfect package 3.0 comes with that new and improved lawnmower 3.0. Plus, you're gonna get the travel bag, you get the high performance boxer briefs, everything you could possibly want, and you get 20% off plus free shipping with the promo code THEATHLETIC20 when you go to manscaped.com. That's 20 bucks off and free shipping with the promo code THEATHLETIC20. That's 2-0 at manscaped.com. Take your grooming game to the next level. And we'll be right back after this. Raptors 99, Celtics 102 in game two. The Celtics take a two-game lead. Waz, the defending champs are in a hole. They're down 0-2. This was kind of a crazy game. The Raptors were up eight going into the fourth quarter, built even a 12-point lead in the fourth quarter, And then just the tables completely turned. I thought Jason Tatum was phenomenal. It was just one of those games was where the Celtics just turned it on in the fourth quarter, man. What'd you see? You know, it's a variety of things. I think 
First of all, Marcus Smart making six threes and not six wide open threes like we're treating you like Tony Allen and so therefore you got wide open looks or you're Lou Dort or something. These are contested threes. These are like Reggie Miller level threes. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, like this is, that's obviously, that's a boon for any team, but particularly with Marcus Smart on this team because he's their fourth option, third option, whatever you want to call it. Probably their third with Gordon Hayward. Um, no, he's probably the fourth, but just saying like Marcus Smart gave him a lot of buckets and that helped them out. But I think down the stretch of the game, what you're seeing is that that shot that Kemba Walker made where Ibaka gets switched on him on a, on the pick and roll and he does the crossover combination into a step back from 16 feet, a completely clean look on one of some of the highest leverage possessions of the game, that's something that Toronto is completely lacking in. They just don't have it. As much as I love Siakam, as much as I love Fred Van Vliet, as much as I love Kyle Lowry, these are not guys you can reliably count on to be offensive hubs down the stretch of game. So even when it is close, right? right? I think if you're Toronto, you're in trouble in a close game because you cannot reliably generate decent offense. Like, Whatever you want to say about that Kemba shot, that's a shot he can make reliably. In fact, he's been making it for damn near a decade now in the NBA. Was, was. Real quick. Where's Kemba from? Oh, of course, New York. (laughs) CHSAH legend, man. Shouts to Rice High School. Rest in peace. Yeah, that was a... That was Yukon Kemba, right? Yep. Just that stop, step back, pull back dribble, all that stuff. And it was amazing because he was god awful the yes, first three was. quarters. Like watching him, you know, I was just like, wow, he was two for 14, 0 for 7 from three. And then in the fourth quarter goes four for four with gets 11 points, really kind of helps to push them over the top. Jason Tatum phenomenal game again. He's really beginning to kind of come into his own. He is. 34 points, eight rebounds, six assists wise. Like, here's the thing. How, I mean, I'm really concerned about the Raptors. Lowry with the ankle, we know is a little bit of an issue. He went 0 for 7 from 3. Fred Van Vliet went 3 for 12. Everybody thought he was going to just shoot the lights out of the gym because his kid was in attendance, but I guess it didn't really (laughs) carry over. You might have to send him back home. And Nick Nurse, even kind of expressed some frustration at the post-game press conference, you know, when they reporters asked him, he said, the only frustrating part is that he shoots, he referring to Jason Tatum shoots 14 free throws tonight, which is as much as our whole team shoots. Granted the Raptors shot 19 free throws. The Celtics got 25. Sure. Does Nick nurse have a case there? I don't think so. I, I just don't think they have those type of players. They don't have foul-drawn players. They don't have – like, why are defenses committing fouls most? Because the defender's at a disadvantage, right? Like, they just don't have guys that create disadvantages on the one-on-one. Jason Tatum has made himself into the, one of those type of players. And on one of the key possessions of the game – I actually tweeted right before when I said, this is where Jason Tatum needs to get something going downhill. And what does he do? He puts his head down, goes right to the basket, draws a foul. That's that's basically what you count on your stars for, Mo. In a big possession, Um, it's not about some intricate sets, a bunch of movement. And that's nice when you can get it. 
Don't get it twisted, but in a big possession, to have a guy that you can just give him the ball, he puts his head down, gets right past his defender into the teeth of the defense, draws a foul and knocks his free throws down. That's just, to me, that's why, you know, it was hard for me to buy Toronto as a serious candidate because in half court, in half court, close games, you know, in the fourth quarter, who do they count on to generate offense? I just don't think they have that guy right now. We saw it with Miami. Right. They have that guy in Jimmy Butler. Theoretically, Milwaukee has that guy in Giannis Antetokounmpo. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get into that. Pause, your, yes. pause, your, pause that stuff. <laughs> Let's stay with this series for a second. Because the other thing, too, because when you're talking about Jason Tatum, like he took over in the fourth in terms of ball handling. He's the one that found Marcus Smart for those threes, yep. you know, especially to start the quarter and really get the ball rolling. And I thought that was really interesting. And it was just one of those instances where I thought like, okay, it's just, hey, turn this over to Jason. He's going to take over. We got it from here. And he really did. I mean, it wasn't even like he scored that much in the quarter, but he just controlled yep. the flow to everything you said, you know, got to the free throw line, found guys when the defense was over committing to him. Yep. It was really an impressive performance from him. And I, I, I want to keep hitting the Raptors, though, because they're the ones in most trouble. Yep. Man, is yep. Marcus all done? Is like because he's just looked bad these two games in this series. I don't just just isn't the series for him. Um, I, I, you know, because Tice is not somebody who's going to bother even going near the block. He plays out in the perimeter. And if, if you don't have a bang him up guy like Joel, which is, that's Marcus strength right now is post defense. Obviously he's still really smart offensively when it comes to passing the guys and setting screens and he can hit an open jumper, but his strength is being a big dude and controlling the paint. Uh, the, his matchup in this series will never be doing that. And so, therefore, his contributions then become muted. And this series is just, it's, I'm sorry, it's not a Mark Gasol series. And, and, and that's, I think, what you're seeing right now. Sometimes, and, it, you know, we've seen it playoff after playoff after playoff mode. Sometimes it ain't your series. Sometimes well, it, it ain't your matchup. And, and that might be that for, for Mark Gasol right now. You think the Raptors are going to find a way to tie the series up? I, I don't put anything past the Raptors, especially when you consider how even most teams, even especially young teams, they got the 2-0 lead. They're going to be feeling good about themselves. You know Toronto is going to be fired up. You know their execution is going to be there. I, it's a matter of them making shots. Honestly, I could see them putting together a great defensive package of a game against Tatum because they're that talented defensively as far as their versatility. You know what I'm saying? I don't think Tatum's going to average 35 this series. So I think they could tie it, but I just think they're in trouble long term in the series because, again, in the highest leverage moments, you need somebody who can reliably create advantages against the defense. Kyle Lowry and and um, excuse me, Sergi Baca pick and rolls. God bless those two. I'm fans of theirs. <laughs> that is not a threat to the defense. Not a locked in defense of the caliber of the Boston Celtics, right? And so I just think they're in trouble from that standpoint. Now let's get to the news, Was The Chicago Bulls are starting the interview process for a new coach. They've already interviewed Brooklyn Nets former coach Kenny Atkinson with plans to interview. This is a long list, Waz, so stay with me. Uh, 
the Milwaukee Bucks assistant Darvin Ham, Denver's assistant Wes Unsell Jr., Miami's Dan Craig, Dallas's Jamal Mosley and Steven Silas, Philadelphia's Ime Udoka, and David Vanterpool from the Minnesota Timberwolves. They've already interviewed. They've also already interviewed uh, current Bulls assistant Chris Fleming. And it's possible that they could meet with Roy Rogers, who's also an assistant right now with the Bulls. Uh, this is all according to uh, Adrian Wojnarowski. Uh, anybody name really stick out to you that you're like, oh, that'd be a great spot for him? Not really. You know, I think Kenny Atkinson is a good coach. And so, therefore, I think any spot would be a great spot for him. I think the guy knows basketball. He's shown that he could connect with young guys. Maybe not so much veteran superstar types, but Chicago doesn't have any veteran superstar types. Right. So he might fit right in over there. Um, but I'm always somebody who's excited when an assistant coach, you know, a guy who put paid the dues, put the work in on a bench for years, learning, soaking up information. I'm always excited when an assistant gets an opportunity. I know somebody like you, Mo, who comes from a video room environment, that, that's got to pique your interest as well. And so, you know, I always love when the assistants get a, get a shot. Yeah, and that's basically that entire list. I still think ultimately they should go with Kenny Atkinson. Again, good development coach. Like you said, they don't have veterans. They don't have, they have a lot of talented guys, but no idea really. It feels like in terms of how to put it all together. I think just give it to Kenny. Let him figure this whole thing out. I think he'll put out a product out there that, you know, the Bulls can be proud of. And at the very least, pump up the trade value for some of these guys that they can move off of. Also, the Brooklyn Nets have already conducted their interview with Jack Vaughn for their opening open coaching position. Uh, this is according to Sham Sharanian from our own athletic. Uh, and it sounds like was he really impressed the owners. Uh, some of that probably had to do with how he got the guys playing in the bubble. Do you think there's any chance Jack Vaughn gets to keep this job? Wait, hold on. <laughs> they sold, they sold a portion of the, the nets to, to Kyrie and KD. Cause last <laughs> I checked, they was conducting the coaching search. I, 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 I understand that, uh, but no, but, but in all seriousness, he's another guy who's paid his dues, you know, who's, who's put in the work, um, around the league. I, it would be dope to watch him get an opportunity. Um, I, I liked what he was able to do under the circumstances in the bubble, you know, <laughs> you know, it wasn't much he could really do for them. You know what I'm saying? But I, I would like to see him get an opportunity. Sure, I don't know. You know what? It's an it's always an interesting question, right, Mo? Like, if you're a coach, you want the opportunity to coach, meaning you want the opportunity to teach, to give direction, and and do what coaches are allowed to do. That ain't going to be the case in Brooklyn for whoever comes in there. Unless, of course, it's somebody who those guys completely and utterly respect. So I I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I think this is not the job for coaching. This is uh, ego management. So it'll come down to whoever they feel can handle that. All right, Wise. Let's get into the big games coming up on Wednesday. We got Heat Bucks game two. You're already kind of getting into it. I, mean, I know you're already excited because you're already kind of chomping at the bit on that one. What What are your predictions? Bucks are down 0-1. What What are you seeing? Real quickly. Uh, for me, it's you know everybody's talking about the Bucks and their inability to score in game one and and especially down the stretch. And I think that's worrisome. I think they're going to score better. I just think offensively, the Heat presents so many issues for them. 
that that's what the people should be worried about. They should be worried about the Bucks' ability to guard this team, the quote-unquote best defense in the NBA. I think they're going to have a hard time consistently throughout this series to guard the Miami Heat. No, Jimmy's not going to, you know, have the greatest efficiency playoff game of his life every single game, but I think they present a lot of difficulties for the Bucks offensively. I think so, and a lot of people are putting dirt on the Bucks, but... uh I don't think they're going to go down 0-2. I think they'll find a way to pull this one out. I think this is going to be a long series as well. And tomorrow we got another Game 7. Rockets versus the Thunder. Waz, again, real quickly, (laughs) who you got? As much as I would love to see the chaos of Chris Paul downing his enemies in Houston for trading him and calling him washed up, it's... It's a game seven. We just watched what happens in game sevens. It's going to be a slog fest, and we're going to be asking the likes of Darius Baisley, Lou Dort, who's a fellow Haitian and is a legend in the making, (laughs) but he's still a rookie and can't shoot. And even SGA, who has been completely up and down, and let's be frank, mostly down this series, they're going to be asked to do some heavy lifting to carry their team into the second round of a game in a game seven. I just can't see it happening. The Rockets are going to win this game, and I think they would do so handily. Okay. I was too panicked to make a call on Brody and the Beard, so I'm not going to make a prediction here. I think it's going to be too close to call, Waz. I think we're in for a tight one. And that's going to do it for today's show. Don't forget about the other basketball shows across the Athletic Podcast Network. We still have your favorite shows on the Athletic NBA show. I believe Hoops Adjacent is dropping or has already dropped at this point. And that's with our man Wozni Lambre, of course, and David Aldrich. You got No Dunks, Tampering, House of Strauss, plus a dozen team-specific shows available from your some of your favorite athletic beat writers. Don't forget to follow on the app to get notifications for new episodes and utilize the podcast episode comment sections. Yell at Dave for some of his takes that he has on Nerd or Shiro. Thanks for waking up with us and Waz, send us home. Ding, 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 dongs. <laughs> <laughs>